Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Joining me today from National Conference in Louisville is the defensive line coach at Miami of Ohio, EJ Whitlow. EJ, great to be sitting down and talking ball with you here. It's definitely a pleasure. I uh, appreciate you having me out. Uh, it's been a great experience so far, and I say definitely thankful for this opportunity. Well, EJ, I met you back around 2009, maybe. Uh, uh, I think you were, you were an intern just starting out in the game at Notre Dame College, which was a startup football program, NAIA at the time. Now they're a D2 powerhouse, incredible climb for that program. Um, but at the time, you guys were just getting things started at Notre Dame College. And uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about just that start, you know, especially in a startup like that. Well, the biggest thing for me is um, it was an opportunity to really lay the bricks in the foundation of a program. And I've continue to follow them and obviously they've had a lot of success recently with going to the elite eight and the quarterfinals and conference championships and it always have a special place in my heart because it gave me my start it gave me an opportunity to be a part of something that's never been done before and to say I was a part of helping start a program that had never had football before it, it was just an awesome experience you know that help propel me to get where I am today. And, and in that experience, you, know, you guys, I mean, it was, a, it was a tight staff. I remember coming over there and just clinicking with you guys. But, you know, in that, though, with that startup, there, there wasn't necessarily the biggest budget. And you, you guys had to get things going, which means for everybody, they're wearing a lot of hats. So, you know, as you are, I guess, dipping your toe in the water, Coach, and you kind of more you know, jumped in head first there, what were the things – you, you learned in you know the first days of of being a football coach, college football coach, that really impacted you and you know were big in, in your development to where you are now. Uh, the the biggest thing I would say is many hands make light work. Like you talked about, we didn't have a ton of resources, so it wasn't just about X's and O's and coaching ball. I mean, there's times where you're out painting the field, and I joke with my GAs and. You know, other coaches I work with, just the grind that you had to put in with other guys and everybody had to lean on each other and be okay with that. And I think that was one thing about our staff was super close-knit, super tight, and they're, they're guys that I consider friends for life and I still talk to them all the time just because of the relationships and bonds that we built during that time of starting that program. When, when you guys started that program, everybody really has – you know, the full-time guys there and, you know, the interns too, everybody's kind of moved on to um, bigger things now. Another intern with you now is the head coach of that program. And, you know, I know you and I know Mickey really well over there, Mickey Mental, the head coach at Notre Dame. In fact, Mickey, before he went there as the intern, was coaching high school ball with me the year before I went to, to college ball. And, you know, it's just interesting to see the growth, you know. So we, we were both talking about it yesterday, you know, Mickey doing it. And then, you know, we're, we're looking at the, the track you had. So you left uh, Notre Dame College, had the opportunity to go to Grand Valley State, which and you guys had made the transition to, to D2 over there. But Grand Valley State, you know, is a powerhouse in Division Two, has been for a long time. What was it like then to go from a place where – you guys are scraping and scrapping, wearing all kinds of hats, doing everything that's needed to be done to a place like Grand Valley State. Oh, I mean, it was it was definitely an eye-opening experience when I made the transition from Notre Dame to Grand Valley. Just, again, the resources, the budget, 
and, and the support system that you had at Grand Valley State. You know, because like you said, it's a Division II powerhouse and had an opportunity to compete at the championship level and win a conference championship and, you know, compete at the Final Four throughout the playoffs. And so that was just a, a big thing of opening my eyes and mm-hmm. saying, hey, okay, maybe this is what college football is all about at the Division II <laughs> level. It's just, and it was a great experience there, and I really enjoyed my time there as well. With that experience, you know, you, you start to see, especially at a place like Grand Valley, there's been some incredible coaches have come through there and, and made it big time. But, you know, again, the you know, in that next step in your journey, what were some of those impactful lessons you learned at Grand Valley State? Well, the, the biggest thing is just continue to work, you know, just continue to keep your nose down and, and work and work and work. Even if you have all the resources, resources don't win you games. You still got to put in the work. You got to put in the hours and, and the time and commitment level to the game and to developing your guys and developing the roster and recruiting, you know, all those things that were instilled in me at Notre Dame College still held true at Grand Valley State. And that was the biggest thing is just staying true to who I was as a coach and the things that kind of got me my start and my foundation in this profession. EJ, now you, you move on to Miami there and you, know, you, you have your own room at a Division One program and so now it's you know, certainly you're going to build around Coach, Coach Martin's culture and everything, but it is the opportunity for you to run that room and teach those guys in a way that you're going to get the most out of them, right? For you, what are, what are the things that you want to see? I mean, there's all kinds of those skills you want out of your defensive linemen, but what are those characteristics you want to see out of those guys in your room? Well, I know one thing that we talk about as a staff at Miami, we talk about toughness, we talk about guys that are smart, going to be smart players and, and prepare the right way. And, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. Tough, smart, and play the game the right way. And we harp on that over and over with our guys. And that was one of the biggest reasons why we were able to win the MAC championship this year. You know, our guys really embraced that process, embraced that message that, hey, we're going to be tougher than the guys we play against. We're going to be smarter than the guys we play against. And just embrace it. And we had a great group of kids that we were able to achieve something really special this year. If I were to, to sit down with your guys and say, what, what are those sound bites you hear again and again and again out of Coach Whitlow? What are some of those, those things they hear out of you that's just – it becomes ingrained in them, right? They get to hear it. They probably hear it all day and night. <laughs> they're going to leave, and 20 years later they're going to say it when they see you. you know, what are those things? A lot of things that we talk about in our room is, is just an alpha mentality. You know, I want guys that want to be the best in everything that they do, both – on the field, in the classroom, socially when they walk around the, the, the campus, just anything that's attached to their name, put their best foot forward. And I know they hear me talk about that all the time. Hey, is that an alpha mentality? Is that is that a, a alpha dog mindset? Because I feel it's all connected. It's all connected. If you want to be a great football player, you're going to take care of your business in the classroom. You're going to take care of your business socially because it's all, it's all interwoven. Yeah. So, Coach, taking a look at, the, the on the field stuff and you know not necessarily getting in the scheme I have a lot of coaches on defensive coaches who talk about things like how to stop the RPO and talk about all these adjustments in the coverage and anything when you look at any defense if you got those you know guys up front who can handle their job well everything else kind of starts to become easy the coverage behind 
You know, the guys who are getting manipulated kind of don't have to worry as much as, as shoot, as a runner pass that can slow play it and take away some things. So what are the keys for you for those guys to be successful, especially against, you know, all the things that our offenses are trying to do to you? Well, the, the big things that we talk a lot about is just one man, one gap. Beasting your gap, doing your job, and, you know, being relentless. And that's the big thing with us up front is we're going to play hard. We're going to play physical. We're going to try to impose our will on our opponents and impact the game that way. And, you know, we understand it's everybody working together. It's 11 guys playing together as one on defense. And my guys understand it. We got to have four guys up front that everybody can trust to, to do their job and do it, do it the right way. So let's talk about the, the run game first. You're going to be talking here a little bit on field, doing a, a on-field demo with, with pass rush progression, but run game and being able to maintain that gap. You know, what are the things that you are constantly preaching to these guys from a technique standpoint to be able to hold that gap? Well, the, the number one thing is you, you got to get off the ball. You got to get off, get off on movement. And then the next thing is hands. You got to have violent, powerful hands. You got to be able to put your hands on your visual key and eliminate space. And if you, you're able to take away that space and be violent with your hands and control the line of scrimmage and, and get knocked back and reset the line of scrimmage, as we like to say, you, you're setting yourself up to be successful in the run game. With, uh, with that, what are your, your favorite ways to, to train the hands? I guess, you know, you don't get involved necessarily off-season in the weight room, but there's things they can do. So from off-season all the way through what you do in-season, training the hands. Uh, well, the big thing is we do a lot of partner work, body on body, you know, as getting in your stance, hitting your targets, hitting your aiming points, near hand on the breastplate, out hand, outside hand on, on the bicep, and just work on the, delivering a strike, elbows tight, thumbs up, just all the fundamentals of how to deliver a blow. Then we'll progress into be able, being able to use a sled now I got to use my hands, bring my hips, uncoil, really be violent with those things. And it's just muscle memory of just doing it over and over again of how to deliver a blow. So in that, you know, I think there's a couple interesting things. Number one, I, I, I love that idea of being able to do the partner work and as a, you know, a coached offensive line at the college level too. I mean, to me, that was a very important time. We're training hands the same way there, being able to get your hands on those targets, the actual body target, where those things are going to be, I think is very important. Now, we want to be smart. We can't be banging bodies all the time. So that's a little bit of, you know, fine detail work. Then you mentioned going to the sled. So the challenge, I think you would agree with the sled is it's not exactly shaped like what we were just hitting. It doesn't exactly have those targets. So how, how are you able to, I guess, train some of that so it does carry over and, you know, you don't form the bad habits of because it's a flat pad or the surface is different and putting your hands the wrong way? Right. So one thing that we like to do and I like to do with the guys is we'll take like some resistant bands and we'll put them around their wrist and make like semi handcuffs. And that way it keeps their hands tight because you are right when you're on the sled Guys' arms, their elbows will kind of flare out. They'll get in that natural, like, bench press-type yeah. posture. Right. And everything with up front in the trenches is tight, violent hands. Yeah. So, we, like I say, I'll make those handcuffs for them, and they, they'll work on strikes, keeping their hands tight. And then we'll also take some time. We'll use pop-ups as well because it's a little bit narrow, narrow cylinder. Put it against a wall and work on delivering strikes through the pop-ups as well. Just constantly just – 
from doing it with a partner, doing it on the sled, doing it on the pop-up, just just constantly changing the surface for them. But the biggest thing is elbows tight, thumbs up, and delivering a blow violently. With that, as you're starting to hit the sleds and, and the other things where you can really deliver that blow, you know, because it's not a person, you guys aren't banging each other up in practice, the hips become very important in that equation, right? So there's that transition when we were working drills here with our hands, but now those hips got to drive those hands, right? How do you get them to focus and, and how do you train popping those hips? We always say it all the time. Your coaches on the field saying, use your hips. So how are you training that? Yeah, the biggest thing we'll start off, we'll start off and, you know, down on all fours, probably just like every D-line coach in the country. And the biggest thing is have them understand and be in tune with their body and, and really harp on it. Hey, do you feel your hips here? Because again, as you do multiple reps, guys will be able to get to the point where they can start to coach themselves. And, and if you are constantly talking about the same points, roll your hips, roll your hips, roll your hips. Do you feel your hips rolling? You may put your hand on the small of their back and, and help it kind of guide their hips through for a little bit, kind of almost like riding a bike with the training wheels, give them the training wheels, and then you eventually take it off. And now they're able to just coach themselves and feel their body move. Coach, looking at just the way you're, you're placing your personnel to and the way you use your defensive linemen, there's certainly different variations in you know the body types you're going to use at your, your, your four positions across the line, as well as maybe that skill set too. Just talk us through your 4D linemen and I guess the, the little – variations you might see in that type of personnel. I know you get to recruit and some, sometimes you get that guy perfectly. Other times, you know, it's lurk, looking for a guy who maybe has a certain thing. What are those things for you? Yeah, the, the biggest thing for us, and we talk a lot about as a defensive staff, there, there's no cookie cutter formula for building your roster. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the things you got to talk about is what is this guy's elite, elite traits? You know, does he have elite length? Does he have elite speed? Does he have elite get off, you know, that's the number one thing. Find out what his elite traits are. And then the next thing is, is he a guy, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that loves to run and hit? Because if you have a guy that loves the pursuit of the football and loves to, to get to the, to the rock and, and tackle people when he gets there, you know, that's defensive football. No matter if you're 6'5 or six foot, you know, run and hit. So those are the things that we really, really hone in on what's his elite traits, does he love to run and hit, and then what type of person is he? Is, is he a guy that loves the game of football? Is he going to be tough? Is he going to be smart? Is he going to be willing to prepare? You know, he's got to start to check those boxes, and that's how you start to, to build your roster. When you're looking, though, at the, the physical characteristics, I know on the outside you want, you want those guys who are a little bit longer, right, are going to get into those – play long on those big defensive tackles or offensive tackles, I should say. You know, the inside guys seem to be always a little bit squattier. As you look at that, what, what helps you set apart, you know, aside from the characteristics that, that you're looking for, boy, this guy really fits what we need right here inside or outside. Yeah, and like I say, the, the big thing on, on the outside, like you, you kind of hinted on, you love length. You, you love guys that have long arms. And, you know, and the biggest thing is pass rush ability. You know, I know the game is a lot of RPOs, so first and second down, those guys aren't able to pass rush. But when it's money down and you got to get off the field, it's ideal if you can have four guys up front and you don't have to manufacture a lot of pressures or anything right. like that. 
you can get some guys that are long, can get off the rock and get on edges and disrupt quarterbacks. Inside, you like guys that your three technique, your, your three technique, you like a guy to be a little bit more athletic. You know, maybe a guy that was a DN that grew into a three technique, but a guy that has some pass rush value because he'll get some one-on-one opportunities, but still stout enough and physical enough to play in the run game. And then your nose, you need a guy that can own the A-gap. Because a lot of times when you get in your third down stuff, that guy's coming off the field anyway. So you need that guy to be able to be stout and hold down the A-gap for first or second down. When you guys are looking at some of the things you do up front, how, how big is movement to you? You guys like to move your guys a lot? We play a lot of base. Mm-hmm. You know, we pride ourselves on just being fundamentals and one man, one gap. The backers know where the guys up front are going to be. And we're going to tighten down. We're going to take air away. And, and we're going to smother you in the run game. And then we'll change up every now and then with some movement. But we, we hang our hat on being able to line up, play our base defense, and play it harder than our opponent longer. Being able to hold that gap is important. I, the thing I see often is, especially looking at high school ball, and I, I help our local high school team out a little bit and break down their film, the movement part, right? Some people can do it really well, and other people, when they move, don't understand how to hold the gap they're moving to, right? So when you move, I think that's a challenging part, right? You've got momentum going. Mm-hmm. That offensive line right now more and more is becoming about distortion, and we're going to let you move, and we're going to keep you moving. We're going to move you out of where you want to go. So what, what, are, what are the keys to making sure that when you do move, you're still able to hold that gap you're moving to? I think the, the biggest thing is pad level. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when guys move, their pad level gets high, their base gets really narrow. And then, like you said, offenses nowadays are just kind of catching and waiting and absorbing. So when you do move, you got to move with a purpose. You got to move with, hey, I'm going to be lower than this guy. I'm going to get off the rock just as hard and, and as violent as I would if it was third and 10. And then you got to understand that, one, you got to be relentless in getting there. You know, there's a lot of times when you turn on the tape and you watch guys move, they abort the mission. Right. They don't understand the big picture of, hey, why we're moving or, hey, we're bringing this guy off the edge. The, the worst thing you can do is just make sure you get it back to them, you know, and just understanding the big picture when you move. And right. I think that goes a long way, too. Yeah, tackling, you mentioned that guys want to run and hit. Tackling is certainly a part of every defensive position. What I like about just how tackling is starting to be coached right now. We used to everybody used to just teach tackling in in the circuit, and it was almost a one size fits all approach. And you see guys, you know, maybe who are never going to make that type of tackle work in that type of tackle. So you have to be prescriptive for what your guys are going to do. What kind of tackling drills do you like to do with your guys? So we we work a lot. We do the the profile t- tackling where you you know old school chest a guy up. Then we also work the gator roll tackle where you got an angle and you're going to be low and you're going to wrap and squeeze and roll proper head leverage, keep your head out of the work and get a guy down. Because like you say, when you turn on the tape, there's a million different types of tackles, million different angles that guys are coming in. So you can't just, again, have a cookie cutter way that you tackle. So every guy on our defense from our defensive line all the way to the back end are working on all the different angle tackles, profile tackles, gator roll tackles, 
because you never know when they're going to be in that situation. And our thing is we want to prepare them for, for any type of tackling situation that they get themselves in. How do you guys work just the whole idea? Your guys all the time, uh, unless they're able to, you know, blow a gap and, and just be there one-on-one, they're, they're making tackles where somebody's trying to stay attached to them, block them. They've got one arm to do it. What are the keys to, to those guys being able to make those tackles? And, you know, again, you do it on level one. I mean, you're taking a lot of heat off of everybody on the back end who, you know, is trying to be manipulated now. Yeah, so the number one thing that we talk about is block destruction, mm-hmm. you know, and again, that's something that we talk in all, all three levels of our defense. It's not just okay to stay blocked. So we work a lot of hands and block destruction, shock shed, arm overs, just different ways to free yourself up to now put yourself in a situation to be able to throw your body in there and get a guy down on the ground. And like you say, up front, it's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be clinic tape of how you get a guy down. The number one thing is get them on the ground so we can line up and play again. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just harp on that. Now we do harp on the fundamentals and, you know, keeping your head up and being technically sound. But the number one thing is get him on the ground. With your talk here today, you know, the one unique thing I think we do at our national conference, we get two live fields set up here. You're, you're probably going to see more live field stuff here than you will uh, stuff that you sit in the classroom and, and look at schemes. So we've really put a focus on that. So you're, you're about to go here in uh, 20 minutes or so and talk about pass rush progression. So talk us through just, you know, we, we don't have the visuals here, but talk us through the coaching points that you're going to go over here. So the, the number one thing that I'm going to talk about or the first thing I'm going to talk about is stance because I think the key to being a, a great pass rusher is I got to have a, a great stance and a great get-off. That, that's number one. So we're going to explain, and there's many ways to skin a cat, but I'm going to just go through what I'm teaching my guys of how to get in the stance. Then I'm going to talk about aiming point. Where are your eyes? Where, where are your eyes when you're in your stance? And I think it's unique kind of some of the things that we talk about of not keying the football, but, you know, eyes on our visual key. He moves, I move. So we'll talk about that. Then we'll talk about first step. You know, a lot of times a rep can be won or lost within the first two steps. Mm -hmm. You know, am I wasting time because I fall step? I step underneath myself. Uh, I step in the bucket, go backwards to go forward. All that stuff matters when you're trying to get after – the quarterback. Once we talk about those, we'll start to talk about the tool belt that we that that would give my guys. Whether it's a near arm chop, we work on a long arm stab, and we have a counter, and those are kind of the base fundamental tool belt that we give a guy. And then we'll talk about everyday drills that we work on to work hips, because I think hips are extremely important when trying to rush the passer. Yeah. So we'll we'll go through our agiles. Then we'll go through some pop-up work, and that's kind of the layout that I got for us today and just in developing pass rushers. So you know, going back to that footwork, you hit on something very important there. The, the false step, I used to study this for receivers, but it applies to every position. The, the false step, or stepping on yourself, will add two tenths to, let's say, a 40 time, right? So if, if I'm thinking about your false step just at a two-tenths to where you're going as a team who's throwing the ball, 
it doesn't seem like a lot, but two tenths is, is a world of difference, right? When I have, instead of, you know, 2.4 seconds to throw the ball to go to 2.6, 2.6 to go to 2.8, because, you know, I, I got, I'm going against a D-line who all, everybody's false step and they're not clean on their footwork, that's going to make a difference. Oh, yeah. And like I, I tell my guys all the time, it's the difference between a sack and a knockdown. Yep. It's, it's, it's the difference between that or, you know, a rough in the passer call. It's that that false step that like you talk about that two tenths of a second, it, it means the world. And like I said, we, we, we got to be cleaning our footwork up front and make sure that everything we're, we're doing is attacking and working towards the quarterback set point. As, as you guys are rushing the passer, and I know you're going to you know, work all your different moves with your hands to try to get free of that guy. If you're still engaged, are those guys looking to do anything with their hands to try to Tip that pass, knock it down. You know, I've I've heard that coach in different ways. You know, I, I think there was a, a pretty neat article about Greg Schiano and how he was coaching that at Ohio State, which I think at the time was driving Irvin crazy till he understood what was going on. But how do you coach that up? Yeah, we talk a lot. We call it the match hand, mm-hmm. where you know you get separation and you you know you're not getting home. Well, now the next step is let's bat the ball down. You know, a bat down is just as good as, as a pressure and a throwaway because again. It, first and 10 goes to second and 10. Now they're behind the, the sticks. They're off the schedule. So we work a lot in our circuits of getting the guy locked out, separate from him, quarterback breaks the egg. Now we match up with our match hand with our near hand, and we're working to, to bat down passes and get our hands in the throwing lane. You know, looking at the pass rush, again, you mentioned the hips, right? Great to have a guy playing long, but if those feet stay behind, he's not getting anywhere. So a big part of being able to get by those guys is to, to bring those hips through. To get yes. those hips even and then through the offensive lineman. Coaching points for that. Biggest thing is, you know, you, you got a, a lot of same arm, same leg. It's got to be tied together. And as I bring my hips, I want to get skinny, want to reduce my surface area and try to get my hips, like you said, to, to clear his hips. Because once I get to that sweet point, that's now it makes it difficult for him to recover and try to save the rep as I'm going by him coaching up these guys on just that that basic pass rush you want to start with and then the the counter moves talk us through that like I say the number one foundation of what we talk about is, is the speed rush everything set up off the speed rush you got to make the offense alignment feel that you can run by them before you can get into anything else but once you got that guy you know really kicking out of there really turning his shoulders well now you can take advantage of him being 300 plus pounds trying to flip his hips or stop on the dime because we talk about if he's doing the job in front of you, he ain't doing it behind you. So we work a lot on getting the guy running, racing the space, and then countering and coming back underneath and, and making that guy have to change directions multiple times. You know, you may not get there on the, the first counter and maybe the second one. Like you just got to stay active and you got to stay relentless in your pass rush. With the way you coach your guys, and I'm sure it, it it changes as they kind of progress through your program. But what do you feel is, you know, the, the right a, a amount of moves for, let's say, just an average guy? I mean, there's some elite guys who can do all kinds of stuff. But, you know, what, what do you want to make sure, like, we got to get you good at this many things in order to be really effective against anybody? I think you got to have your primary move that's like your go-to and then a counter off of that. And then just be relentless and, and a high-motor guy that that's – going to keep scratching, clawing, fighting to try to get to the quarterback. But I think if you got a really good primary and a, and a really solid counter off of that, that's all you need in your tube belt, you know. That, that's 
That's what I think. Now, on the offensive side, we're looking at that, and we're, you know, we're coming in with the scouting report. Here's his primary move that we see all the time. Here's his counter. So we're going to work against this guy that way. As you get through the season, do you do anything you know, on offense? We always talk about scheme-wise, offense, defense, breaking tendency, right? Is, is there anything then you try to coach them through, like maybe adding a wrinkle to that to help them out? Well, the big thing we talk about, like I said, when we break down offense alignment, we break down what type of pass set is. Uh-huh. Is he a short set? Is he, is he a guy that shows his hands early? Is he a guy that has low hands, high hands? And we try to break that down, and then that'll help us kind of put together our menu of, hey, these are the type of moves that you should work on this guy. Right. And then, right. you know, throughout the week, we're practicing that, you yeah. know, honing in on, hey, these are the moves that we should go into the week with. So, Coach, you shared a lot of great detail here on all the fine points of playing defensive line. Um, I think some of this, this next question you maybe answered a little bit, but for you, with all things you do as a coach, what would be the one thing you say that this really gives my guys, you know, the winning it? It doesn't have to necessarily be on field, could be off field, could be do what, what you do just to build character. But what gives your guys the winning edge? I think attitude, attitude. Because, like I said, there's – there's a million ways to skin a cat. There's a million schemes, you know, four down, three down. You know, everybody's kind of teaching the, the same fundamentals of D-line play. But I think if, if your guys have the right mindset, the right attitude, they're going to play, play extremely hard and play tough and play together. I think that's the biggest thing that, can, that, that separates you is a mindset. Coach, how can our listeners connect with you on, on Twitter? Coach Witt. So, Coach, W-H-I-T underscore M-U. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time here, and uh, I'm excited to see your presentation here in a few minutes. Uh, Thank you, and thanks for having me again.